The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're back today to talk about the offense in that game against the Steelers. Obviously, a grinded out trench warfare. Uh, we're, we're seeing it, unfortunately, in the Ukraine right now, like World War One, and and uh, this game not too different. Here to talk about it with me is Kevin Ostraker. Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing well, Ken. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad the Ravens were able to pick up this divisional win, three and zero in their division. One of my favorite stats is that they're three and zero this year. They were one and five in their division last year, so already leaps and bounds from where they were in that aspect now. Yeah, we already got good counter experience now to last year is that when Huntley took over, the team really crashed back down to earth. Uh, they had, uh, you know, they experienced the long losing streak. And uh, I think they might have lost a game with Lamar before it had started. But then they lost a whole bunch of close games with Huntley. And that closed out a very disappointing year. And and to have a couple of wins now with Huntley and and effectively, I think, very close to sealing a playoff spot. It's not absolutely official yet at this point, but a whole lot of good events happen around the AFC uh, on Sunday to, to help and, and on Sunday to help. Them. Right. I think 538 has them at like 98% or something. Mm-hmm. I'd be, 
I'd be flabbergasted, shocked if the Ravens did not make the playoffs. They would have to have something go catastrophically wrong for them, probably lose out and then have another couple AFC teams probably win out there. So I think it's going to come down to the division week 18, Cincinnati and Baltimore in Cincinnati. But for now, I think Baltimore is well positioned for at least a wild card spot. All right. Outstanding. Well, Kevin, uh, tell folks where they can find your work and uh, your Twitter address in particular. Yeah, definitely. You can find me on Twitter at ChaosStriker34. I also host the Locked on Ravens podcast. We do that five days a week, Monday through Friday. We're on YouTube. We're an audio forum, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Also right over for the Ravens Wire seven days a week. So any Ravens news, I'm usually on top of it. All right. Outstanding stuff. We need to thank our sponsor, Liquid Death, the water that will brutally murder your thirst. Uh, please give the tr- product a try. They've been very good to us. And uh, good, good flavored waters. They have a lime seltzer that I've enjoyed. Uh, they also have aluminum cans. So your, your uh, receptacle is not ending up in a landfill if that's important to you. Uh, it should be. Anyway, moving on, uh, let's talk a little bit about the game. And obviously the big story coming into the game, Lamar, Johnson, Lamar Jackson still not available with a strained PCL. Uh, we hope that's what it is. That's what it's being reported as. And, and we certainly hope that's what it is. And now, of course, after a uh, rugged three quarters of play, roughly, um, Tyler Huntley is now in the concussion protocol. Yep. You have guys having to step up and come in. And I do want to give a shout out to Anthony Brown. You know, the stat line doesn't look overly impressive three or five for 16 yards, but first NFL action in Pittsburgh in a Ravens Steelers rivalry played mistake-free football, made a couple of high leverage, the third third down throw that was massively important Mm -hmm. in that situation, especially he came in and he had to start from the one yard line. And after the game, he talked about it and he goes, Hey, it's an opportunity for a 99 yard drive. Let's do it. So it's that type of confidence. Now I know there's a lot of unknown surrounding. Will it be Lamar Jackson? Will it be Tyler Huntley? Will it be Anthony Brown in week 15? But in week 14, they got, I thought, solid contributions from Huntley before he went out. And then Anthony Brown kind of came in and sealed the deal. But this this was a performance where you have under 100 yards passing from both quarterbacks. It's really the run game that was the story of the game here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, Brown, a big interesting story in training camp, I thought, in in, in the preseason. He, he certainly played very well then. And... You know, there are two questions that came up. The first of all was, would you just exchange Brown for Huntley because Huntley, a third-year player, and Brown, a first-year player, gives you an opportunity for a reset, and Brown looked awfully good throwing the deep ball. Um, there are things about Huntley as a runner that are not special, and we saw some of that in this game, and we want to, want to make sure we get back to that. But Brown had, had really thrown the ball effectively in the preseason and and uh, done some things that, that were uh, very positive. So it'll be possibly Huntley on Saturday. I think still probably, and I guess there was a, a walkthrough today. I know Huntley was there, but I'd still say it's probably more likely that Brown ends up starting that game with Brett Huntley, who they brought in a, as the backup. Yeah, I know John Harbaugh talked about on Monday how they could maybe have three quarterbacks active if they're healthy enough to even have three quarterbacks active in the game. But if it is Brown and Huntley, you have an interesting dilemma because I think, again, you're going to go run heavy if you're the Ravens, but I think mm-hmm. Brown can make those. Those I remember the one throw in the preseason. I can't remember what game it was or what week it was. I think it was to either Riley Webb or Shamar Bridges, but it was a it was a line drive dot that ended up going for like a 50-some yard touchdown, and he has that touch on his football so he can throw. And Huntley isn't necessarily a great deep ball thrower right now, and he isn't really pushing the ball down the field. I mean, against – 
the Broncos, he had 27 completions. They only went for 188 yards or so. So I think Brown, if he does start, gives you the element to throw the ball a bit deeper and push it down the field a little bit. And I think both of them do have like Brown's not this super incredible athlete. He does have athletic ability to him, but he's not a Lamar Jackson or even a Tyler Huntley in terms of his athletic ability. So I think he's able to do a little bit more pushing the ball down the field that Huntley maybe can't do right now. But if you want more of that athletic ability, I think Huntley would be your guy in that situation. Yeah. And we'll we'll get back to Huntley in a little bit. I do. I do want to talk about this. Uh, Greg Roman, uh, you know, has taken a lot of heat recently. This is a week you better give Greg Roman his due. He got the Ravens through this game, and there were several chances for them to choke it up. Uh, He's been certainly unpopular, but uh, this is a good good week for those detractors to to lie low. You know, it's not the time to to be the the, the pro Roman people ought to rip you a new sphincter if you're really after him this week. Um, But really, great game for schemed runs for the Ravens and that eight minute drive. Uh, was a thing of beauty at a time where everybody knew exactly it was coming. Run, 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 run. And they still were able to run it right down their throats. And one of my favorite plays now of the season is that third and three conversion. So fake shovel pass to Duvernay on the jet motion. Uh, I would normally think that's not great to have to have the fake going to the play side because you know you're not you're you're drawing a, play, a player another player presumably right over into play with the motion, but uh, but in that particular case I think it worked well. I don't think it was obvious where the where the ball was going, and uh, it also gave the play a little bit of time to develop, which was nice because the Steelers were in no um, condition to do anything but try and penetrate immediately, and and when they got blocked up, they were blocked up very effectively. Edwards found the v- huge crease to uh, walk through for six yards. Yeah, it, it was it was the perfect play. And I think what makes it so perfect is he talked about is that everyone knew it was about to happen. And I think the little misdirection, the fake shovel pass kind of got people off guard a little bit. But then you just hand it off and those running backs were just killing the Steelers all day long. And my, my favorite thing about it is that the Steelers run defense going into this game was a top 10 unit in stopping the run. And they just could do nothing. But that one third and three play, I, th- I think it just summed up the game perfectly where it was great execution by the offensive line. You saw multiple good blocks on that play to kind of open up a hole. You have a, the running back obviously going through for the first down and just everything about it encapsulated in one play to seal off a victory for the Ravens, which I think was super important because it was a game where I think so many people have been clamoring for a very long time this year about can the Ravens just put together that dominant ground performance where they just absolutely go and run and run and run and run and, mm-hmm. and just shove the ball down a team's throat. And, and this was a game where the Pittsburgh Baltimore games are always so grinded out. You have to do one or two plays to find the game. And there are multiple you can talk about offensively and defensively, but that third and three play, I think was the one where it's just like, yeah, it just, it just feels right in that circumstance. Yeah. On, on that RR six, uh, Stanley had a wonderful play behind the play. It's a highlight as I, as I scored it, but um, not only did he help block Hayward inside, but he held off Highsmith outside where those guys had a chance to pursue that play and run it down. And Highsmith in particular might have been quick enough to catch Edwards from the backside. So it definitely was a was a was a key uh block there. And twice in the last two series, uh, we saw those good double backside uh blocks from Stanley. He had a tough game overall, but but uh we saw some good play down the stretch from from Stanley, both on the on the eight minute drive and then on that final play. Uh I, I just I'm 
there's so much good to talk about in terms of the offensive line, in terms of what they accomplished. Uh, that we'll, we're going to get to all of that uh, a little later on. Um, you know, one of the things that's been coming up recently a lot, and it's one of the Roman detractor things, is that the plays are getting in slow. Now, that wasn't a problem at all in this game that I noticed. I didn't, I didn't see any time where they were getting close to zero, um, it, where they were, you know, getting, I think they might have gotten down to three seconds one time, and Huntley is an early clapper. So he's asking for the football at that point. He's not trying to realign anybody. And I'm trying to figure out whether it's a matter of Huntley is not realigning anybody. The play was in smoother. Huntley communicates it better. By now, you're probably noticing that there's strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's because it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is it called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recyclable Tallboy cans help bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. By now, you probably know how much I love Liquid Death. Well, every week I tell you about a different way I've used Liquid Death to mess with people. This week it was taking a cooler full of Liquid Death to the softball game. Because as our team chugged down Liquid Death, our play improved while the other team drank other stuff, and maybe got a little sloppy out on the field. So take liquid death. The other team has no clue what you're doing. Or take it to work. We've talked about that many times. Drag it around your friends at school. Maybe the carpool lane. Maybe we'll talk about the carpool lane next week. Just take liquid death. Enjoy it. It's ice cold water. You're going to have a great time and fun. Go get liquid death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find liquid death retailers near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film study. Or the players, you know, had a point of emphasis during the week, maybe in terms of coaching, that they're going to continue to get the plays in as quickly as possible with Tyler quarterback because there's enough other things to be concerned about. Um, they didn't run it really run a lot of no huddle. They had a couple of no huddle plays earlier on that, that I recall, uh, but they didn't really run a lot of no huddle. So most of it was just, you know, allowing the, the, the run game to take over a lot of the shortening of the game that I think both teams were happy with in this one. Yeah. And I, and I think there's a lot when you're talking about the play call where I think so much has been made about it over the last couple of seasons, even like, you know, there's the tweet from Bumani Jones almost like eight years ago that said, anyone who hires Greg Roman be prepared to have those timeouts be burned and, and have the play clock go down to zero. So mm-hmm. there, there were a couple of instances where I saw the play clock go in, you know, three, two, one, but it was not noticeable. Like I think a couple games ago, the, all the talk was about how that the play clock going down ruined a red zone drive. And then you have the game against new Orleans where you get to delay a game and it happens again. And it's just those things. But I think something clicked for them and maybe it was really John Harbaugh saying this cannot happen anymore because it's been such an issue for so long that, you know, why is this happening? But yeah, I think the play calls are getting in there smoother. I don't know if it's a Huntley to Jackson or Jackson to Huntley thing, but I am curious once Jackson gets back to see what it is like, because I think that will be the key determined factor of if it is a Jackson thing or is it more of a Roman? I do think it's both. Like at the end of the day, I think it's part Roman, part Jackson. But I, I'm glad that it has not been an issue over these past couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I don't think the I don't think the the blame goes in any one space on something like this. But uh, you know, another, I, I, you know, that was a clean part of the game, and the Ravens needed as many clean parts of this game as they could 
to run effectively. The, the, the thing that kills, you know, good running drives is any kind of five yard penalty, even, uh, you know, that has a good chance to stall a drive like that. Then you have to make a pass and you, you know, you're playing roulette all of a sudden with the drive when, when you do that. Um, they won the snap count battle in this one, 61 53. They did that despite losing yards per play significantly, 6.2 to 5.1. And that, that happens a fair amount when you run the ball that you're going to tend to run the ball a lot more than your opponent, even, Though you do it much better, you still may lose yards per play in, in games like that. They also lost first downs, 23 to 18, uh, but they were able to hold the ball as they needed to and run a lot of additional plays on that Steeler defense that looked very tired by the end of that game uh, when they really needed to in that fourth quarter. Yep, and on, only resulted in around six minutes more of time of possession, but still, that's enough for one or two drives, depending on how you look at it, Baltimore. Over these past couple of weeks, I, I've loved the fact that they had that 16-play drive against the Broncos to seal the game. You have a 13-play drive this week. You're starting to see, hopefully, things click for them where they can go back and just be that ground-dominant team. The identity of this offense is a running football team. That doesn't right. mean they can't throw the football because they can, but you can run the football and still have an effective pass game, even if running's the identity. Well, if you look at the Steelers' drive chart, they had no no – drives of 10 plays the entire game so they had eight uh nine drives in the in the game they were all between three and nine plays the ravens had three drives of, of of 10 11 and 13 plays and i i always talk about this with people is that it's really not time of possession that tires down a defense because you go to the sideline you don't usually sit down so you can but you don't usually do it and and you're what you get tired by is consecutive plays on the field defensively so a team can get, get a defense tired out, and particularly the pass rush, by going no huddle. If you can prevent the defensive substitutions by that, moving the ball down the field, no flags, you know, keep your own personnel relatively tired. It usually involves spreading the ball around. You can get a defense tired that way. But if you're running the ball, just keep running it, and and uh, uh, that defense is going to have their hands on the hips after a few plays. Uh, you, you can you can try and get to the line of scrimmage quickly, or you can not. If you, you even if you're running the ball, you can get to the line of scrimmage quickly and keep those guys on the on the field but you do usually need to rotate out your own backs and i do think the ravens system works better allowing both teams to rotate because the ravens want to rotate in their heavies they're two different tight ends different running backs to try and use their point of attack running game as efficiently as possible so uh you know i think the ravens played their game they won the snap count the way they wanted to win it and and that led to just the kind of result that we're all happy about today Right. And I know, you know, the Ravens have zigged while the rest of the league has zagged. They do things their own way. The the off the NFL has gone to all these huge 40 plus pass attempt offenses, multiple wide receiver sets. Guys are bringing in two star wide receivers, three star wide receivers and Baltimore's bringing in Patrick Ricard on third down in a third and short situation, three tight ends. You can even they might run some four tight ends here and there as well. They do things their way. And I do think that if they can get onto a track much like Back in 2020, after the huge, amazing 2019 regular season, they kind of struggled for the first couple of months of the year to find their identity. I think they were trying to be too cute in a lot of different aspects. But the, the last month or so of that season, they just ran the ball and they killed teams. Right, It was like 200 yards a game and they were incredible. So I'm hoping that maybe this was the... I guess, wake up call for lack of a better word to say that they can still run the ball effectively and get 200 yards a game average, you know, five plus yards per carry, and then run the pass offense through that and off of that play action misdirection and whatnot to be able to kind of get that running on 
running identity back while still having a pass offense that can be successful. Yeah, I, I don't think that's unreasonable at all. And that's really was the formula for the 2018 team to go seven and one down the stretch, too, was in, in Lamar's first action was, you know, six and one, seven and one. Either way, right. they, they they won down the stretch with an incredible running offense and a good defense. And they did the same thing in well, they really did the same thing in 19, although they did it with some some additional Lamar heroics in the passing game. But then in 20, as you mentioned, it wasn't a great, it wasn't a great Lamar passing year. It was back to it just an amazing run year, including that 404 yard game against the Bengals, uh, which is the highest in recent years anyway, and, and was within 22 yards of the all-time record. Yeah, they have so many weapons in the running back department now with Dobbins and Edwards and Hill and Drake and everybody, plus the threat of a Jackson or a Huntley when either of those guys get back. They can do it, and they can be successful doing it. All right, let's talk about Huntley in exactly that capacity because that was one of my issues with the game was Huntley did a really good job, I thought, of taking care of the football. So point of emphasis probably during the week. You know, the Ravens did a couple things differently we'll get to later to, to, to not take chances with the football or with possession. But in the case of Huntley, he didn't throw any interceptions. They didn't have a crochet play that gave away an interception that way. Uh, they, they just took care of the football. But what Huntley did not do was take care of himself. And we marked out on the offensive line score sheet um, seven individual big hits that he took. And this was a case where you just can't let this happen. But there are four in a row on that crossover drive between quarter one and quarter two. And you can start with that sack minus six. The last four plays of that drive, Huntley got absolutely smashed four consecutive times. Shoulders, neck, mid midsection kind of contact that was that was more dangerous than you really more hard than you almost ever see Lamar Jackson take a hit. And he had seven of those in the games. You know, part of the problem is Huntley is not Lamar Jackson, and the big part is elusiveness. And uh, you know, if if Jackson gets out in the open field, and we saw one big instance of that in this game. Huntley got in the open field with one man to beat. Okay. And my immediate reaction is he's not going to beat him. He's going to get tackled. And, and sure enough, he gets worst of all possible, a downhill midsection tackle. Didn't even really make a good attempt to juke the guy. Didn't change speed to do anything really that was, that was positive on the play. It was like Huntley was afraid to lose the advantage he had of only having a single man on that side of the field. And so he almost ran directly into the guy or allowed himself to be, you know, directly contacted in the midsection hard, as that as that tackle was being made, um, you just can't let that happen. And and you know Lamar Jackson, that would have never. He would. I don't think he'd have been touched by that player, or at least there's a good chance he would have been touched. If he had been touched, he eighty five percent of the time he gets away from that tackle. He just would read that leverage from the opposing defender. He'd make that that defender make a mistake based on his first move, and kind of like a great pass rusher with a great plan, he would move straight through there and. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, have made a much bigger gain on that play. But not only did he not do that, Huntley chose, a, chose he took a bunch of other big hits in this game as well. Yeah, that, that one, I was going to bring up that play. I'm glad you did it because that was one where you're right. If Lamar Jackson's the quarterback in the situation, we might be seeing that juke on highlight reels for mm-hmm. years and years to come. And there was so much space outside of that guy and it's, it's yeah, he could it didn't even pick up the first down I don't think I think he got stopped short of the marker so there was that one but then the big hit that everybody's talking about the one that ended up leading to him leaving the game where at first I thought his legs got caught up under the guy because mm-hmm. he like went back and so I thought that something happened with his leg but it was just a nasty nasty hit and I think you know when we're talking about Lamar Jackson's 
like rookie season when he was first getting acclimated, he was taking a lot of unnecessary hits. And I think we've seen him take a lot better care of his body over the course of the last couple of years here. I think he has learned to, you know, you can either take the extra yard and get blasted for it or run out of bounds and live to see another play. He is living to see other plays, which has been really great for him. So Huntley, I think an, an evolution for him will be to maybe do that but I know that you're not getting the same elusivity factor when you're talking about Jackson for something. Yeah, you, you, you never get that. And, and one, one of the things that elusiveness does for Lamar is he gets twisted down a lot for tackles rather than getting, you know, creamed through the midsection, hit on the neck and shoulders, you know, hit when he's not protected outside the pocket. You know, as, as a quarterback, he's just a runner at that point. So you, you just you can't take chances with your quarterback at that point. Um, it's the number of hard hits that Lamar takes is greatly reduced by his elusiveness. It's just not, it's not a matter of, of just uh, uh, Huntley doesn't know what he's doing as a runner, which is there, there is honestly some of that, that, that he has a little bit of speed, but all his speed is I want to try and avoid that guy and go to a point. And the other thing that kept coming up in this game was Huntley diving and ending up a, you know, a yard or a half yard short of the marker, you know, time after time, you know, this, this kept happening. Uh, that was a little frustrating as well, needless to say. Yeah, I mean, you have multiple areas where it's on a second down or it's on a third down. And he's just inches short, and so Baltimore has to go for it on a couple of fourth downs. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's no reasoning behind it, really. Just, you know, it's the spot of the football and just where he was. But, you know, extending the ball a little bit more, it, w- it was frustrating because they were so close to converting on those first downs. And then when you look at the final box score, Baltimore has another game where they weren't good on third down going just four or 13 where the previous week they went three or 13 against Denver. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a good point. So they've had two straight bad weeks after having, I think nine in a row of 40% plus, which was the, the all time record franchise record uh, for the team. So uh, that, that was a big bummer. I think there is another component there that we're not demanding more is the awareness of the yellow line that obviously the players cannot see, but awareness of the marker. Um, that they need to be able to get to that spot, whatever it takes. And sometimes the best strategy for it is just go straight for the marker and the out-of-bounds mark. And that's really Huntley's only strategy. I don't see him chain speeds, attempt to juke the guy, make an inside move, then then maybe another outside move that would cost the, the defender half a step and give you that extra you know, one yard on the outside you need to maybe maybe get a first down. But it's the first down, awareness of that first down line just, was not good in this game and and unfortunately they got to fourth and one on four separate occasions okay and very unravens like and this is uh, this is an awareness of who the ravens are right now i think that is is good in the case of Harbaugh. they had fourth and one at the pittsburgh 46 and the baltimore 34 and i'm going to tell you fourth and one in either of those cases with lamar there's no way they they punt in either case the the gain from punting is is too minimal to not try and preserve the possession in those cases. And if they had Lamar, if they had re- all their regular offense, I'm, I'm pretty sure they would have gone for it in both instances and hope to get a drive. But the problem is when you're at your own 34 and you go for it on fourth and one, you might miss it. But if you do make it, you still only have Tyler Huntley leading your football team with the, the marginal incremental probability of scoring. So they realized who they were and they punted in those two situations. And I wasn't even too upset about it at least from their own 34 i was a little upset still from their their own from the pittsburgh 46 yeah there's so many aspects that lamar brings you and i think one of them is not only lamar but when you have the option of having lamar out there plus 
let's say Gus Edwards, who Edwards historically does not lose yards. So if you're talking fourth and one, Edwards is good to get you a first down on most occasions, or I know the Ravens have not been necessarily the best quarterback sneaking team in the league with Lamar Jackson at the helm, but you can at least try something. Just, just the Lamar Jackson effect, having him on the field. I agree. They would have, they would have been in all those fourth and one situations going, all right, let, let, what's, and Lamar's competitiveness would have had him in there too. He would have said, we're not punting. We're going for it right here. Waving, waving the field goal unit off, waving the punt unit off. He would have gone for it there. So there's hopefully better awareness on third downs to get to the marker and be able to get first downs and extend those drives. Now they, they, they tried it twice and they obviously one of them was the fumble. That was just another freaking disaster, but we've seen that from Lamar on fourth down at the five yard line or whatever it was against Miami. One, I think it was a one yard line actually. Um, but in this game, uh, the one he made was a rugby scrum where Andrews actually pushed him from behind and the Steelers were hip to it. I mean, first of all, they had AABB covered up in terms of the gaps, meaning you don't normally have your, um, uh, your, your defensive alignment lined up so tight that you can do that. Normally, there's there's four techs removed. If you want to talk about it that way, you have a you know a three on one side, then a one is a is a shade nose on the other side, and then a five. But you know when they when they get lined up for a fourth down, you have a guy over each shoulder of the center, very often trying to trying to uh, crash. But they also had a guy over each shoulder of the guard. And they had it, you know, really set up to 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 crash that. And then they brought their safeties into the middle of that melee. Um, but Andrews actually helped push um, uh, Huntley in that instance to help him get the first down. Probably was going to get it anyway. But but that was that was a. Uh, uh, I'm not even sure I want to put my number two quarterback, who's my last best hope, into that situation and 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 push him on a fourth down. Yeah, I mean, you got to, for these offenses, you got to do what you got to do to pick up that first down at all costs. And I know the fumble was, yeah, that was a disaster. It was just the ball hits off of Ben Cleveland's arm, I think it was, and you can't secure it and you give the ball back to Pittsburgh. But luckily, I know this is more defensively, but Pittsburgh's offense, despite moving the ball a little bit, just could not put the ball in the end zone. And Baltimore, to their own right, went one of three in the red zone. Red zone offense has been a big struggle for them this season. But this game was a little bit dialed down. Like, I don't think it meant as much. The first, you know, Baltimore gets deep into Pittsburgh territory. And then Justin Tucker makes the field goal to put him over the all-time points leader for the Ravens. So everybody's kind of celebrating. Oh, yeah, Justin Tucker, even though they didn't score there. Then the final red zone possession for him. They only needed a field goal to go up two possessions anyway. So whether you're getting a touchdown or a field goal, you were still getting what you wanted. So Mm -hmm. despite Baltimore going one of three in the red zone again, I think this was a little more of a dialed down failure in the red zone. But I'd just like to see him be more consistent there. Maybe go 66% in the red zone or 75% or maybe even that elusive 100%. Maybe we'll see it. But (laughs) I know there have been some issues in the red zone over the course of this year for them. They, they they need to be better, and it's a big ask with their with their current personnel because they're going to be running the ball against compressed fields uh, where you know you're much more comfortable leaving a corner on an island with a wide receiver, which means you have the necessary personnel against the run in pr- pretty much every situation. So you, you got to resort to you got to have some sort of trickery, some sort of mobility, some sort of play extension that get, Lamar gives you. The Lamar moving um, laterally along the line of scrimmage. You will miss that like you won't believe if Lamar ever leaves the Ravens. Um, it's it's just that that incredible red zone talent that he had and the long string of not throwing interceptions there and the ability to extend plays and have late releases catch the 
catch touchdown pass like Nick Boyle and Buffalo and things like that. You will miss that like nobody's ever missed anything when he's gone. And and you realize you, you go back to a quarterback who's throwing a bunch of fade routes and a bunch of zipper routes, uh, you know, high up between the goalposts to a uh, you know get a tall ball in there. Uh, it's just it's not the same. It's much lower percentage plays that a lot of other teams have um, that don't have a play extender like Jackson. Yeah, and it feel it feels like so many people have almost like gone numb to what Jackson can do because we've seen it so much. Like he's he's done so many incredible, amazing things where everybody's just like, oh, all right, like it's nothing I haven't seen before. But regardless, it's so incredible what he's able to do. Where if he were to ever leave the Ravens, and hopefully, you know, that's not what happens. But if he ends up leaving. He has an unnatural ability, and it's a great ability that he has to make things happen out of absolutely nothing, especially down there where, you know, if he takes a sack in the red zone, like sacks in the red zone are killers. It's very hard to recover. You can if you're on offense, but Mm -hmm. Jackson being able to elude a guy and extend a play and force a ball in there, run for a chunk, chunk gain or something. The fact that he does that so consistently and makes it look so easy each and every time. People now we've seen it for, you know, miss so many granted. years now where it's just like, all right. Yeah, I've seen that before. That's cool. Like it happened. But it is something where I think I appreciate it every time it happens because I don't want to take away from how impressive it is, even though he does do it so often. All right. Let's move on here. Um, one of the things that I think the Ravens will need to kind of decide at this point is do they need to activate Charlie Kolar? And and part of me says they might not need to. First of all, all their tight ends um, have been really good run blockers at times this year. Uh, likely, in particular, much better run blocker than than he appeared to be in the preseason uh, when he accumulated a fair number of holding penalties. And early in the season, he did not run block well. But then we, they finally gave him another chance, and all of a sudden, he's a he's a swan, not an ugly duckling, and and run blocking like crazy. Uh, I I, I would. I would like to see Kolar certainly get live fire. I think this game against Cleveland with a weakened set of inside linebackers, and I know they, there, there's some talk of them getting Joe Schobert back, would be a good game for them to uh, get Kolar in there and force a inside linebacker who probably is not a, a, a great fit for it, try and cover him. Now, we don't know exactly where Kolar is in practice, but – how do you, where do you, where do you sit on that, Kevin? Yeah, it's for him and Najabo is kind of the mysteries of the Ravens right now in terms of are the guys ready to play? Do they just have so, so much depth? And it, it's true for both tight end and outside linebacker where you don't necessarily need to have all these tight ends active or all these outside linebackers active. So maybe Baltimore's just rolling with the guys who have played this year and have the experience, but that, in turn almost hinders the development of a guy like a Kohler or an Ajabo. So I think that, yeah, this could be a really good week to get Kohler active and in there. And the, the Browns are hurting inside linebacker wise. You talked about Schobert and maybe they're getting him back. Jeremiah Wusukoromoa goes on injured reserve. So they, they are reeling in the Browns. Hey, defense. JOK went on injured reserve this week. I did not hear it yet yeah, today. So, wow. yeah, so he wow. is done. Wow. So they are, they are in a pinch there. So, this could be a game where they could dominate the line of scrimmage. The Browns defense has struggled this season under Joe Woods. I know a lot of fans over there in Cleveland would like to see change and just kind of get a new defensive scheme in there for right now. So for JOK being out for, I know, I think Sion Takitaki is also out for the year. I think Kohler, yeah. this could be the week for him to get in there, but it's a matter of do the Ravens feel like they even need to have him active or do they just roll with 
Andrews and Oliver and likely and Boyle and kind of have that be there for, or even just you activate three and you have Oliver likely and Andrews. But I think for Kohler, I'd like to see him play. I think just for these last couple of weeks to get him acclimated, you don't have to put him out there for 95% of snaps, but I think if you can get him any experience heading into next season, it'd be big, especially in a big divisional matchup. I know it'd be kind of throwing him into the fire a little bit, but against the Browns team that's struggling on defense, I, I couldn't see a better spot for him. Yeah, this is this is a. Uh, I mean, if they have Joe Schobert, I'm I'm really not concerned about it from a run defense perspective. I don't think he's. I mean, he's big, but but I don't think he really gives you a ton of great run defense in terms of what he can do. You can get a guard on him, he'd have a lot of trouble like any inside linebacker. Uh, where Schobert has been pretty good is in coverage earlier in his career in particular but you know he's an older player now uh he's he's uh probably lost a little bit of that and i think that he, he makes a good matchup 10 career interceptions for joe Schobert. he did have four in a year um a few years back so we'll see that that it seems more likely that that will happen given the jok news from today jok big ravens killer in recent years not the least of which was the injury to lamar jackson caused last year so yeah, I was big on him going into that draft, and he he's been great for Cleveland. So it's a it's a huge loss all across the board for them. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, the the how the um, Ravens quarterbacks were pressured in this game, and I, I'm just going to present the numbers here, and I've I've got it for both quarterbacks combined. There weren't enough passes for either one to say, oh yeah, well it was you know something so such such of six with uh with brown and and such of 13 with huntley cuz there were only 19 total passes um five ample time and space opportunities that was 26% four to five complete for 53 yards all the completions were huntley before he left brown actually had an incomplete in his one time 10.6 yards per play uh the ball was out quickly five times which is low i would have thought that you're running an offense that has huntley and brown in there you're probably going to scheme the ball out quickly a lot one of the balls that was out quickly was off the goal line for that little three-yard gain that got him out of a little bit of trouble, allowed him to get a first down. That was a nice play, but they really didn't do much with ball out quick, and I, I really expected a lot more in this game. Yeah, I, I did as well, and I know for a quarterback in Huntley who, again, not his, his strength is not pushing the ball down the field, so you, you wouldn't really think they would try to develop a lot deep for him and just try to get the ball to Andrews in the middle of the field or scheme some stuff for Devin DuVernay. Or, I mean, Demarcus Robinson has been super solid for them this year, so maybe getting him the ball quickly and having him do some stuff after the catch. But I, I think the Ravens were still effective in what they did. I know that Sean Jackson had that long 25-yarder where he's just kind of drifting back. The ball kind of just falls into his hands and he goes out of bounds. So they did hit on a couple of deep things in this game, but I would have definitely expected them to get the ball out a little bit quicker than they did. Yeah, Jackson is effortless as a deep tracker, and, and he's one of the guys that the Ravens, I think, are really going to have to lean on down the stretch. They They don't have... Duvernay not the greatest tracker of the football. Certainly, that's not his his strength. The other the other problem with Duvernay is he's not the greatest route runner in terms of uh, showing wiggle at the top of the route to a defender to make him drop off. So even with good speed, you know, obviously well above average speed, um, he's still not able to outrace a lot of cornerbacks uh, for, for a deep ball. It's happened some, and Lamar has found him what it has. So, so that's been, you know, that's been pretty reasonable, but Jackson just effortlessly, uh, runs by guys. Uh, if, a, if, a, if a route has time to develop as it did a couple times in this game, then, uh, he's, he becomes a really big threat and most notably on that 62 yard pass from Jackson before, uh, what was that a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Jackson, was it J- Jacksonville? I think yeah, Jacksonville was that big one. So 
was it the 60 was it was it in jacksonville i'm trying to remember i, mean, I, th- I think it, i think and, it was yeah the jacksonville one where he just he jackson let it rip in, in mm-hmm. jackson jackson to jackson connection they were able to get him but he's he's been a, he's been a contributor i know the signing was very much criticized when it first happened and you know what was his role going to be do they have enough in the wide receiver room does he he does he doesn't replace what bateman does but he has made an impact in almost every game he's played in. So while he's not this star number one guy, like he's not the guy you want to rely on in every single situation in spots, he has made an impact in most of the games he's played in. Yeah. The issue is he really hasn't, hasn't played very much at all. And if, if for him to be a threat and a decoy, he needs to be on the field for more snaps. So that's my only objection about it. I mean, there's no no problem at all with his yards per target. He's at 13.4 yards per target for the year right now. Uh, that would beat the Ravens' all-time record by 2.4 over uh, 11.04 in, in uh, Andrew's rookie year as the all-time record. So uh, that's a stratospheric level. Of course, it's not a lot of uh, not a lot of receptions. There, he's going to have to have more total targets to 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 meet any kind of me- reasonable medium thre- minimum threshold. All right, let me move on a little bit. To talk about pressure. Now, they only had 19 dropbacks that resulted in a passer sack nine of those were pressures so that's 47 percent. that's a high percentage obviously or maybe not obviously but it is three out of seven for 19 yards on those plays so 2.7 yards per play that includes two sacks for minus 10 in there uh, both of these quarterbacks had a lot of trouble when they were pressured uh, Huntley ran away from a couple of pressures which helped the offensive linemen in their scoring didn't result in big yardage, um, but but they you know they he made a positive play out of what could have been a sack. Uh, Brown did not get away from pressure in this one. Ended up going down once and um, uh, trying to remember if he had a he had a pass under pressure that was actually completed in this game. We had three. He had one for a three yard gain, an incomplete, and a sack for minus four. He took on his pressure, so um, not not anything that that obviously worked out for him. Uh, what did you see from Brown under pressure? Anything that surprised you? I don't think necessarily anything that was super shocking. I, I, I just am very glad that he was able to play mistake free in this one where he could have easily been rattled by pressure. He could have easily done a lot in terms of forcing a ball somewhere where it wasn't meant to go and turning the ball over in a big situation. But again, the stats aren't going to show you, you know, three of five for 16 yards is not this amazing box score stat line, (laughs) but at the end of the day, he came in and did his job and let the run game do their thing. And, you know, he got sacked by TJ Watt. A lot of quarterbacks have been sacked by TJ Watt over the course of TJ Watt's career. Didn't, didn't fumble the football or anything. There was a fumble by, was it, it was J.K. Dobbins. It was Dobbins late in the game where they deemed it a joint recovery. I don't know if I've ever seen a joint recovery before, but they ended up. Oh, you're up, right. That wasn't the Huntley fumble. It was the Dobbins fumble. Yeah, that was the Dob- yeah, Dobbins. Yeah, Dobbins. Later in the fourth quarter, I think it was. It was when mm-hmm. Brown was already in the game. So Brown, in my opinion, he did what he was he was called in to do, which was be able to just lead the offense, but not necessarily take a front row seat and do everything. He was able to kind of let the game come to him a little bit hand the football off and then make a couple of throws throughout the course of the game that were able to be big game changers, including that big third down one. Uh, let's talk a little about the pass rush the Steelers put out there. So they uh, used a four-man rush, 11 plays, 57 yards, 5.2 yards per play, one sack. They used a five-man rush for five plays, 24 yards, 4.8 yards per play, one sack. And used a, a six-man rush. They never used that against Huntley. But three straight plays at the end of the game 
they used it on that on that final eight minute drive. They used it against Brown, uh, and he got 13 yards on this play. Incomplete a six and a seven, I believe. So it was you know enough to get a conversion out of there. I think it included that pass to Andrews uh, that was in there, but uh, it was a interesting that they certainly tried to ratchet it up numbers wise late against Brown, whereas they were not as comfortable doing that against Huntley. Yeah. And I think that might just be young quarterback, like literally first NFL action, just try to rattle them as much as possible and see what you can do. But for Huntley, he did a better job at escaping the pressure, which I know mm-hmm. for Brown that the pocket kind of crumbled on him in a couple of circumstances. I mean, the TJ Watt sack, there were like four guys around him. The offensive yeah. line did not have a good rep there. So couldn't really do anything else except protect the football, which he did. But I think for both guys, the Steelers, I think wanted to get the pressure, but in, in the way the offensive line played, especially the interior guards, and I know we'll get to this later, but oh, yeah, especially, especially the way the guards played, I think they were able to negate a lot of that, but there were still some instances where they got through. Absolutely. Uh, pocket awareness, I think, uh, remains kind of a concern for both quarterbacks. Now, the good thing about it, Huntley did run out of some pressures. He didn't throw any bad balls. And he didn't take a sack where he's ha- was at risk of having the ball clubbed free. So that's nice. Uh, I did not like him pulling back from center the way he did. I, I probably blame it about 60% on Cleveland and 40% on Huntley uh, in terms of what happened there. Uh, where are you on the, on the, the fourth and one fumble? Yeah, it, it was just unfortunate. I mean, at first it looked like it was just like a bad mishandle of the snap, but you know, further review it hits the arm. He did, he did pull back in, in an interesting way. So I don't know it, it you want to say it happens, but I think we've seen so much good and then so much bad for the Ravens on those fourth and ones where they'll make it look so easy on some plays and then they'll just, it'll just be absolute disaster on others. Now, luckily that fourth down wasn't necessarily like a make or break game situation. It was still early enough on where they were able to recover and still be fine, but you'd like to see them, I think just be more consistent in those fourth and one situations because they, I think they have the personnel. Like I'm saying, if you just hand the ball to Gus Edwards, I think nine times out of 10, if not 10 times out of 10, he gets you that first down. I know you can do some stuff with Tyler Huntley. You can do some stuff with Lamar in there as well, even with J.K. Dobbins. But I just think sometimes it is a bit more complicated. And sometimes it's these self-inflicted little things that causes fumbles like this. So I'm glad they're able to get the other fourth and one, but I know this one was, it was tough to swallow. Yeah, it was an ugly, ugly looking play. That's for sure. There wasn't a lot to be gained. Um, uh, otherwise it would have been a kind of a long field goal in Pittsburgh. That's always a little tough. Uh, so it would have been 52, maybe something like that. So certainly within Tucker's uh, acknowledged range and yet it's in Pittsburgh and you don't want to be kicking a lot of long field goals there. So uh, uh, anyway, I, I liked the play in terms of its additional incremental chance to generate points for the Ravens, but I didn't, I didn't absolutely, um, it was, it was definitely the right play, but, but I didn't, I, I, I just didn't like the way the play was uh, run in the case. One of the things that, that kind of got me about it was Huntley seemed to turn as if to get ready to hand off the ball earlier than I think he would have normally done. So I, you know, I think you take your first step, full step back from center and then you start to turn and I'd really need to look at other plays because it's actually not that often on a fourth and one play that you take the time to let a run play to a tailback develop. And there are plays that go to a fullback and those are plays where you got to hit, you got to turn a little quicker, maybe to get that ball into the gut of the big guy and let him run for it. But uh, if you're handing the ball off to a tailback, I think, I think 
you probably don't have to turn as quickly as God as he did. And there'd be less of a, uh, a, a chance for a, uh, uh, not good moment there with, uh, with Cleveland's left arm. Right. Yeah. With the, with the fullbacks is kind of like snap, step, turn, and the ball's already in the hands of the fullback. But with the running back, you're able to let a little, like, you know, you can have the ball out there for a little bit, you know, bait the play action. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You bait the play action and see what happens. So I don't know. It, it seemed a little bit rushed, but I know that, you know, no one was anticipating the ball's going to just hit off an arm like that. So stuff they can clean up, but just unfortunate it happened in a game situation. Yep. Let's talk a few more scheme elements. Uh, start with the running backs in terms of the division of snaps there. We had Dobbins getting 26 snaps. A little surprising. Dobbins outsnaps Edwards in his first game back 26 to 21. Drake got 11 snaps, so he's obviously lost a lot of his carries. Hill, too. Odd. Anything surprising about that in terms of the, of the snaps per player to you? I would have expected Dobbins to take on maybe a little bit less of a workload first game coming back. Dobbins actually in his career has never had over 15 carries in a game ever. He's had, this was his third game with 15 carries on the dot. So he, he's never been a guy and the Ravens with their committee. They're never going to have a guy unless everybody's injured who has to go out there and take the ball 20 times or 25 or 30 times. But I, I would have maybe thought first game back for Dobbins, they would have eased them in a little bit more and, given more snaps to Drake and Hill. I think you have four really solid running backs, but Dobbins and Edwards are clearly your one, two. And I think with the way that he, it was almost like Dobbins had it from the start. And I think Baltimore wanted to continue giving it to him because of what he was doing. He obviously on the 44 yard run. I know there are a lot of people saying, you know, doesn't look hundred percent. And I, I didn't expect him to look hundred percent at this point of the season, but at the same time, definitely looking to favor that knee a little bit, but yeah, I thought maybe Dobbins would get a couple less carries than he did, but Averaging eight yards per carry, you can't really complain about what he did. Definitely a very weird play there. I mean, obviously, great, well, very well blocked play, and he he knew exactly what to do with that hole that was presented to him, and for him to to take it right upfield uh, was was a was a good thing. And then he had a piano delivery he had to stop for because you know he's just carrying obviously some large heavy object on his back that's allowing Minka Fitzpatrick to to you know be able to cut him off at the pass. Uh, that, that was, that was surprising. And then I didn't like, I mean, I thought he was hurt actually. I really thought he was hurt. And then, and then Minka Fitzpatrick took him down hard out of bounds. I mean, it was not a, it was not a light touch kind of hit, but then he's in to run the ball again on the very next play. It's like, no, no he's wrong. You know, and you look at it, you know, looking at it like 10 times, probably like I have now the first two or three, I did still think he was hurt. And then I thought, no, it's just, it's something is just a little bit slower about him. And maybe it's, maybe it's the knee, maybe it's not being a hundred percent, could could be a couple different things, but it's but it it obviously that was not J.K. Dobbins at full J.K. Dobbins speed. No, I think if if we were in 2020 right now, that's a house call ten times out of ten. He's able yeah. to beat Fitzpatrick. I was very like the second he broke that hole, I thought it was a touchdown. Like I had no doubt in my mind. But then Fitzpatrick catches up to him and kind of closes the gap, and I didn't I didn't know what to think. You know, I thought that Do Dobbins doesn't have that full speed back yet. He's not a hundred percent right now. And, you know, again, I didn't expect him to be, but I don't know. It, it was a little shy because we've seen, we've seen so much of the Ravens be so cautious with their guys this year, especially coming back from major injuries. Dobbins did have the, it was the minor cleanup in the knee where he says hundred percent right decision. He feels so much better, which good. I'm, I'm glad he was able to take that step, but I would have expected Baltimore to maybe be a bit more cautious with him coming off of that first game action in a couple months 
but they felt confident enough in him. And I mean, the, the stats, the stats tell the story. Although I do think that 44 yard run was a bit of a shock to people. It was great when it was going on, but then at the end of it, people were thinking, huh, I thought he was going to score that one as punching in the end zone. He, he did it a play later, but yeah, I, I was even shocked. He was, I thought it was going to be Edwards taking the ball into the end zone, but the, alas, it was the offense. Uh, one of the interesting things about this game was the very second play of the game. Uh, the Ravens tried a, a, a new schematic element here, running out the four wide offense because they didn't have a running back, but they only had four wide. So you're an eligible receiver short played with 10 men. I'm trying to make a joke out of this. It's really, it's just not all that funny if you're a Ravens fan anyway. Uh, but nobody was in the backfield at running back and they had uh, four guys wide. They ran the play. I, I, there's got to be better quality control than that somewhere. And I, 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 I I don't know how you feel about it. This, if you're Harbaugh, if you think it's worth the time out at that point to say we've only got ten men, but somebody should be on it saying we've only got ten men, even if the headset to the quarterback isn't working at that point. Um, I, I was saying at one point, and they had a couple ten man plays in 2020, that the running back should maybe be responsible for counting the men on the field and and you know letting Lamar know that that's an opportunity to to do that. We've seen Andrews take personal responsibility for the. Uh, having the proper number of guys on the line of scrimmage being a similar thing. And, you know, he's signaling for, Hey, we got, the, we don't have seven on the line, you know, get over, get up kind of thing. Um, th- this was a case. I, it, it was, it's very bothersome. This play gets run, but it's not as bothersome as the fourth and sixth play getting run in 2020 uh, where they, uh, you know, did it anyway. And and then I think they failed on that play, which would made it additionally painful. Yeah. It's, these little self-inflicted things where obviously they were still able to win this game and it was only the second play of the game. And you say only, but it shouldn't happen on any, on any play of the game. So they've had issues doing just technical stuff on offense. I, I do like the idea of having the running back count out who's on the field. I think that's a smart thing to do, but we, we've talked about self-inflicted mistakes all season with this team and in multiple different areas, not just this one. I think they've gotten better in some aspects, but come playoff time, you have to be crystal clear on everything that goes on because one mistake like that can cost you a game, even if it doesn't seem so significant right now. Yeah. And by the way, I I said about the running back uh, making that call, but actually giving the running back that additional duty is the wrong place for it to go. It needs to be in the booth somewhere because you still have time to communicate to the head coach. who can call a timeout and you, or can make the decision to call a timeout on whether or not he wants to run the play with 10, save the timeout or just go ahead. And unfortunately the Ravens, you know, they, they went three and out on this first series. And if they've been able to gain a couple of yards there, you never know. Cause the next play went for nine and they, they came up with fourth and one and punted. So bummer, but uh, anyway, one of uh, is what it is kind of situation. Lots of counters still we're seeing in this game. A lot of two-man pulls, uh, tackle center, tackle guard, um, lots of both. Uh, we saw a lot of pulls across the offensive line, um, and uh, and they did a pretty good job, most of them going from left to right in this game. Uh, is there anything about that that's stale to you about how the Ravens run their offense? I don't think it's necessarily stale. I mean, it works for them most of the time, so I'm not – you know, if it works, it works. I'm, I'm a guy who I don't really care how you pick up the yards as long as you pick them up. Like, it's fine if you run the same play over and over again. If you're gaining eight yards on that play, keep running it till it doesn't work. And so I think teams like teams understand that the Ravens do it a lot. Teams understand that it's coming. But at the same time, if they can't stop it, even when they know it's coming, much like Pittsburgh could not do, 
throughout the entirety of this game, I have no problem with them running it as opposed to maybe getting too cute or going away from something that doesn't work and having to deal with, oh, maybe we should just have done it the entire game anyway. So, no, I don't necessarily have a problem with it, especially if it's working. Right. And I, I don't either. It's been a useful play to spread the line of scrimmage horizontally, but it doesn't really do a great job when you don't have Jackson as the threat at quarterback. So part of the reason why it's so useful is that it makes Jackson much more dangerous when you have a counter taking people out of the play one way, and you have jet motion taking people out of the play the other way. And then you know you have two elements that are, that are getting a – uh, inside linebackers to move incorrectly or to you know potentially misjudge their their initial read steps, and then you you make Jackson incredibly dangerous up the middle on those circumstances. I I'm just if you don't have him in the game, it's Huntley in the game. Your upside on that quarterback run middle out of sidecar is just not that high, and so that's why I don't like it as much with Huntley in the game. Now it's it's part of the Ravens' run DNA, and hey. It, they, it was just a single pull with Powers on the run right for six that sealed the ball game. But, you know, they, 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 it is part of their DNA to, do, to, to, to run the counters, and, and they certainly are used to doing it. I just think you, you have less upside value of it when it's not Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Jackson just provides you that extra element in so many different areas where it's, it's no shot to Huntley or to Anthony Brown or anybody because Jackson's just – He's, he's in a league of his own, and he gives the offense much be, a much better success right when he's out there based off of everything that goes on because I think when you're talking about what Jackson brings, we've talked about the elusivity element. We've talked about everything that happens with him and what he's able to do. Just the, the, the ability that he has being out there in the first place is – is incredible. I think when you're talking about just teams having to account for Jackson before the play even starts, what's going on with him on every single play, it's incredible. So I think that for Jackson, he coming back, hopefully, as we're hoping, maybe it will be this week, maybe it will be next week. But at the same time, I think Baltimore, if Huntley can play, they're in fine hands. I think Huntley's a guy that is one of the more perfect backups in the league for Jackson. And then Anthony Brown's the next man up. So I think they are equipped at the quarterback position to survive, but I think Jackson gives them the ability to go out there and, and is their ceiling in that position. Handicap this for me. Okay. So you're giving a, a four way, five way option, let's say um, that Jackson could return in week 15, 16, 17, 18. And we'll just say at some point in the playoffs or even next year, we'll lump that all together. Okay, and I want to hear your, and and I'll write down mine, and we'll we'll, we'll quickly come up with this. Okay, I'm going to just do that. Okay, I've I've got mine. It, it, it's a good. I, I think. Okay, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Okay, good. Uh, I've got mine written down, so so I'll I'll respond to yours one at a time. Okay, so week fifteen. If he returns, I'm gonna say thirty percent yes, seventy percent no for week fifteen. Okay, and I'm saying five percent yes. Okay. I think already being a DNP in the first day of the week is pretty damning. I I don't think they're gonna try it. Um, so week sixteen, you still have seventy points left. How how many are in week sixteen? I moved it up week 16 to 50, 50, 50. 50. Okay. And I've got it at 25. So you have them 80% returning one of the next two weeks. Uh, week 17, 
percentage chance to return? I'm going to give him 60, 60, 40. No, you can't. You, you, you're, you've got 20 points left to assign of your oh, original oh, oh, 100. Oh. Yeah. Unless okay. you're thinking you really want 35 in week 16. Because he had 70, 70% chance, 70% chance he was going to be available. And did you mean 50-50 that he, you know, he'd return 35% of the time? But we apologize for the math laps on this show, but it's just <laughs> interesting not to do this. You're still putting him 50% to return 16 or, or from now or 35% to return 16. I'll go 35-16 then. Okay. 30, okay. So now you've got you've used 65 points okay. and I've I've used 30. In 17, how, what's his chance of returning from now? Uh, I'll give him an extra 10 off of that. 10 in week 17. Okay. And I have 40 in week 17. I think this is most likely return week. Okay. And okay. then 18. So you, you've got, you've used up uh, 75. You have 25 points to allocate between 18 and playoffs or later. So I'll, I'll do another 10 there. 10 and then 15% in the playoffs or later. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have 25% in week 18 because it's the, it's a Cincinnati game. It could be for everything. It could also yep. be for nothing, which would be nice. And then it would be zero, yeah. I think, at that point. And I have 5% returning to the playoffs. I actually think it's fairly unlikely that he'll get his first playing time back in the playoffs. Yeah. At, so. the, at that point, if, if the injury is serious enough to the point where you got to hold him out for that long already, I don't know. You know him coming back in the playoffs, high intense atmosphere, stuff changes. You know, playoff football is a whole different animal. So, yeah. I, I would hope he's back before the playoffs. Definitely. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, fun little exercise. We do it one time, <laughs> and uh, that's good. Uh, what else do we not talk about here? The Ravens are still running some of their heaviest uh, lineups of the year. Two point five seven heavies per play. We saw forty five snaps out of Ricard. The tight ends uh, with Boyle inactive got all got pretty significant amount of snaps. Uh, 12 set blockers and one chip blocker in this game, 0.68 per play. Uh, that's a, that's a fairly normal number. Here's what was a little surprising to me. You have a lot of four man rush. You have some five, but you have a lot of four. And yet they really didn't try and chip block either Watt or Highsmith very much in this game. Yeah. And those two guys, I mean, Highsmith going into this game was the Steelers leader, double digit sacks had 10 on the season. And then TJ Watt, like box score stats are not going to blow you away because he hasn't played for most of the season anyway. So it's not like he had, he's had the opportunity. But it was, it was a little shocking to not see them put a lot of help over there. They trusted their guys, though. I mean, Ronnie Stanley's Ronnie Stanley for a reason. He, again, wasn't his most wonderful game ever in week 14 here against Pittsburgh. But I would have thought they were to give a little bit more help on the exterior internally. You know, Cam Hayward is one of the best interior guys. Chris Chris Wormley, unfortunately, tore his ACL in this game. So big blow to the Pittsburgh interior. But I still think I was a little shocked to not see them give a little chip help on, on the outside. Yeah. All right. Outstanding. Always fun to talk football with you, Kevin. Tell folks one more time where they can uh, uh, find your work online, or, uh, mainly your Twitter handle at this point, because I think we went over work online earlier. <laughs> All right. You can find me on Twitter at ChaosRecord34. I always appreciate talking with you, Ken. M- math exercises and all. Yeah. Well, I, I, sorry to put you through that. I, some, <laughs> some people, you know, really would not appreciate doing that. I appreciate you, you know, playing along with the game. No, it's certainly sure. something yeah, I yeah. like to do. Uh, it, 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 some of the things we've got some stories about this, we could tell it, but, but we won't. Um, other folks out there, if you'd like to be in on a film study short, hit me up. I promise I won't make you do any math exercises unless you want to. Um, but uh, 20, 25 minute uh, content. I'm always looking for a couple extra shows per week. Think of me as the, the sports call-in guy you can talk to 
and not just get a hot tip and I won't hang up the phone on you or do any of the other things that the, the, the call-in guys will. And uh, we'll have just a nice conversation about football between hopefully two adults. Uh, Kevin, thanks again for joining me. Always appreciate you, Ken. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.